I'm Sean O'Neill, and this is Try Hard, a love letter to failure. You fuck with self-help at all? Self-help and encouragement to those who need it. Welcome to Try Hard, a love letter to failure. I am your host, Sean O'Neill. And with me this week is Jesse Moore Hendrickson. Hello, Jesse. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Jesse is an old friend of mine and an actor in L.A. right now. Jesse? Uh, yes, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Oh, uh, actor, actor is one of many monikers. Okay. Well, Jesse, for our listeners at home, how would you define yourself? Um, so I've been working basically as a media professional for the past five almost going on six years mm-hmm. now in in los angeles just exclusively and the only reason why i make that denotation is that i started out acting and ended up working my way behind the camera more than pretty much anything else and that's actually how i've made my living oh uh, that's great work yeah i work as an editor uh, uh sometimes director um and then you know various other menial positions behind the camera as well as uh as well as acting, but we're we're a bit past that at this point. Oh, past that. Okay. Just timing wise. Just you time. know. That's how it goes. Okay, I understand that. So, uh Jesse, our uh mission statement for Try Hard is all about a love letter to failure, but also it's uh empowering and hmm. talking about therapy and self help. Are you in therapy right now? I am actually. Oh, good, good, good. Someone you've been seeing a while. Uh, honestly, I picked I picked it up in quarantine for the first time in quite a long time, and it was uh, it was uh, something that I needed for quite a while, and I'm I'm thankful to have it now, you know. And I'm only going to have it for a short period, but uh, I've been enjoying it thoroughly. Well, that's good. That's good. I've been going to therapy on and off since I was. Uh like 11 years old and Hmm. yes 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 i got diagnosed with adhd and then my parents did like nothing about it except put me on drugs i think that was very much a product of the era that we grew up in yeah because it just wasn't it wasn't real you know for for a lot of people it was like oh that's just that's just that made up thing right and then nobody believes it's real and now here we are 10 20 years later and oh right that does have an effect on your life maybe we should do something about that <laughs> let's give kids essentially methamphetamine and hope for the best uh, uh, i'm glad that the worst i got out of it was possibly being a nail biter and it took covid to get me to stop thank you for the masks hey congratulations thank you very much but i have taken up smoking again well, you know, you gotta. They, they say that every uh, every well functioning adult has at least three vices mm-hmm. at any given time. So you gotta trade one for a different one. You just gotta, you know, move them up and down in your morality values. Mm-hmm. Well, I drink and I smoke, but I don't gamble, and I don't I don't chew tobacco. I don't <laughs> inject heroin? Question mark. That you're aware of. Yeah. <laughs> well that's excellent so this this show is is focused on um 
you said that it's a love letter to failure. What, yeah. what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I guess uh, I have an issue with our society that is so focused on winning and getting getting to goals and achieving things and you're not worth anything if you're not uh, a winner. I'd like to take a step back and say, hey, if you're getting out of bed every day, if you're trying, you're succeeding. So that's what the moniker of try hard really refers to. So what are you trying at? What are you doing? I I can I definitely can uh, resonate with that sentiment quite a lot. Um, you know, uh, it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I don't wake up in the morning and look at myself with judgment or, or, you know, even just, just anger, like, and it's taken a long time to even get to that point. And I'm actually have to think in a weird way, I thank the quarantine for it because something about this utter isolation that we've been in has, uh, given for a lot of time of self-reflection and so it's actually quite fitting that you have a podcast that's that's focused on on these aspects of trying to go through the struggles of daily life and the difficulties in that we face not only from exterior you know sources like the outside world but also that we inflict from our own traumas that we carry within ourselves and that's actually been a big thing that i've had in my therapy recently um my my failures that and and I I'm a little remiss to call them failures at this point, but for the sake of of context, I did move to L.A. as an actor, and I was a working actor. Like I had representation, I was doing small gigs. I never really made union, but I had enough small jobs and a few things going that I was, you know, making it. But the problem is, is that even though I believed in a dream, it didn't necessarily mean that I believed in myself. Hmm. And so what happened is that I burned myself out. You know, it became, it became more about trying to achieve success with that than it be, than it was about trying to just enjoy what I enjoy doing, which was at that time acting Mm -hmm. and, you know, life and all its circumstances come into play in LA, I can tell you is not an easy place to live. It's not an easy place to make a living. Uh, it is very expensive. Um, and, but there are good people here. And that was one of the, one of the things that, that has helped in my overall mood and looking at, you know, what has happened in my past is that there are good people here and good people exist here and they do care about other people it's not it's not what everybody assumes you know it is a fast-paced environment but there are people who care about other people and i was very jaded at the time that's why i make the distinction is that for the longest time i was jaded because of my own self i mean not quite hatred but i just didn't like myself oh and i didn't like myself because of what i viewed as failure hmm And so when my acting career was, you know, constantly getting rejection, which is normal, but at a certain point, I got so frustrated with it that I basically just stopped doing it and started pursuing other, other aspects of media and production. I worked, uh, I worked as a PA, uh, for multiple different shows, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, um, Born This Way, uh, like a bunch of reality shows. Uh, I worked in the art department on a couple of shows. I worked in camera. Um, 
with I worked with the grips on a bunch of short films and stuff. And all of these different positions are are still film adjacent. But for the longest time, I considered them tangential moves, which I equated to failure you know, right. in that same vein, honestly. Just because and, you're not doing exactly what you wanted, it was considered a failure. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, is that when I look back on all of that stuff now, when I look back at the fact that just because I met one person on, I, I met someone in a, in, a, in a pizza shop that I was working at, uh, who was a producer who got me a gig on this one show and they liked me so much and my work ethic so much that they got me four or five other jobs off of that. But I was so focused at the time at being angry at myself for not acting, for not doing what I was, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be doing in LA. I didn't take any time to appreciate what I was actually accomplishing. And I mean, that's the biggest takeaway I, I would love to pass on to anybody listening is, is that, no matter where you are, no matter how trapped you feel by whatever circumstances you're dealing with, like there is always something that you are still accomplishing and you can still accomplish something within that day for yourself, whether or not you're struggling with whatever issues. It's just, it's important to take that time to be thankful for what you have done. And that way, when you look back, or if you're in a time of, of great anxiety, you have something to hold on to. You know, that, that I did this, I can do whatever is going to come up next. You know, even if, even if you don't succeed by whatever definition is necessary for you. Mm -hmm. um, like I am, I am a media professional. Like I know every role on a film set. If, if I were to get a job on any film set and they said, Hey, we need you to do X. I have in my head, you know, a language that I can speak that I know not everyone can speak. I can, I can, communicate effectively and I can learn. And that's the biggest thing is like learning to learn well. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest takeaway that I've, I've had from my time in LA actually. And that comes from these quote unquote failures, you know, mm -hmm. that I held over myself for so long. And thanks to therapy. Now I've managed to find an appreciation for what'd you learn. That's a good takeaway from that. That's a good takeaway. Thank you very much for that, Jesse. Yeah. All right. Now, you and I, we met doing community theater, and uh, everyone else that I've had on this show so far has been a comic of some t kind, so I like to, I'd like to keep this move going. Do you have a fun bombing story for us, like on stage uh, or otherwise? I mean, we, you and I did that improv troupe together. <laughs> well, I forgot that. about that. That I will never forget. That was like the most, I mean, it was looking back on it. I cringe a little bit just because I was so bad, but it was, it didn't, you know, it just didn't matter because we were having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we did all of one actual show. We did one show. show. We did one uh, show. And uh, I remember somebody shouted out, somebody shouted out like Mike Tyson or something like that as one of the props. And I just did the worst Mike Tyson impression, and I still, oh god! <laughs> but I do remember that show. I remember that show being a lot of fun, and uh, uh, you were you were on. Uh, you can't take it with you. Yes. Yeah, I was I'll, in. You can't take I'll it with you. That like hanging out in the green room mm -hmm. and just making bad jokes at each other the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and then of course I I still have a half written script from uh, that. Uh, movie idea that you and i came up with 
yeah we were gonna that we were gonna work on it so uh you know maybe we have something in the work for the future who knows <laughs> well i'm still writing every day so i'm trying to figure out a way to propel myself forward whether i want to or not that's good yeah. that's good honestly that's uh that's that's awesome <laughs> thank you very much thank you very much and uh you pretty much nailed it before with what would you tell a younger version of yourself, but uh, basically that, what what would you tell somebody starting out in your position? Well, you pretty much nailed it before, but... Yeah, I mean, there are things that I wish I would have had... I, I, I mean, I'll be frank about it. I wish I would have grown up sooner. And what what I mean by that is I wish I would have taken the time or gotten therapy earlier or, you know, whatever, whatever it needed to be necessary to accept the difference between my adult self and uh, the, the, the child in me who carried trauma from when I was younger you know, and, and be able to give one the power over the other, or, or at least accept, accept myself, I guess, is, is the easiest way I can explain it. Accept myself early, earlier than I, than I have now, because, you know, now I'm finally getting to the stage where I get to look back and be like, oh, man, I had so many of those opportunities, I wish I would have taken advantage of them. But it is what it is, because it's all relative to, to how, you know, your mental state is, generally speaking. So, <laughs> The number one thing I would say to a younger version of myself or anybody younger than me is that forgive yourself. You're going to make mistakes. You are going to not know what you want. You're going to think you know what you want, and then you're going to get blindsided. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just happens. These things happen, and, and you can get mad about it. You can blame other people. You can blame yourself, or you can just forgive yourself. And it's something that's easily said, but more complicated in practice. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. And I can tell you personally, for me, the act of forgiving myself is very, very difficult because I'm, I'm the kind of person who, if there is no one around to take responsibility for something, then it, de facto, I must take it. You know, that's how my mind works. I totally get that. Yeah, and in forgiving yeah. yourself, that's one thing that I struggled with for a very long time. And then I told myself, hey, if you don't forgive yourself, then it's in some way condoning your behavior. So if right. you accept that that's unacceptable behavior or that's an unacceptable outcome, and you can forgiveness forgive yourself is, uh, and move on. It's kind of the it's the anathema to anxiety. You know, oh. it's like a, it's like a salve for anxiety. If you can accomplish it, it can be the key to a lot of things. It can be the key to patience. It can be the key to growth. It can be the key to. And I mean, I'm just I'm not saying all this as some sort of, you know, mental expert. This is literally the things that I have been working on in myself in, in as just as soon as the past three months. <laughs> so uh, relatively poignant. Uh but it, it, it can be the thing that keeps you grounded when you need to reach for something that feels impossible. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that is the most important thing that I wish I could impart onto my, even my younger self, because if I could just, have, if I could have been in this particular mind state, when I was, you know, working 
all those different various jobs all at the same time and really stressed out and trying to, I was trying to provide for somebody who didn't have work, who was, you know, moving into the city with nothing. And I basically, I was trying to live for two different people when I never needed to. Right. But if I had had this mindset, then I would have realized that I would have realized that I don't need to live for this other person. You know, it's better to trust, to trust other people's, skills and expertise and take care of yourself uh for you know in order to be kinder if only circumstantially so you're not so stressed out so you you know you're not you're not feeling like you're being pulled apart uh, when it's not even necessary uh i don't know if that entirely makes sense but that that that's my thought process on that that's very crunchy of you <laughs> I see you with your ponytail and your and your beard. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I uh I let the hair grow out mm-hmm. since COVID. So you know, trying to do the right thing and, and not get haircuts. Yeah, I I did the exact opposite at the beginning of COVID where I gave myself a uh, Peaky Blinders haircut. Oh nice. Yeah. And that has since grown out and I've been home to visit my mom a couple of times and she's the preening champion, you know, just <laughs> my mom is one of the most type A people when it comes to preening. She used to pop my zits all the time. You know, my mother did that too. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird, weird, gross thing. I guess people are going to know about me. It's like, it's, it's a weird thing. It's like, it's normalized for me. Mm-hmm. So now, so now if I'm like with somebody and my partner, I'll see a zit. I'll be like, Oh, hold on a second. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, right. That's not, that's weird. I forgot. That's weird. <laughs> Cause I've, I, I've heard that's more common with women in relationships that, but I've right. never had a girlfriend or partner that uh, wanted to pop my zits or anything, <laughs> but it's definitely out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's an invasion of personal space. Stay six feet away from my blackheads. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. So um, what's a uh, goal that you've been working towards right now in uh, quarantine or otherwise? Well, um, I've been working on trying to get better at my craft uh, mm-hmm. currently. Uh, so I've been working these past few years. I've actually been working for one company, uh, been a salaried employee for the first time in my life, which was rather interesting. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's It's been an interesting ride. It's actually ending, though. I'm, I'm going to move on, go back to freelance life. Um, but I've been trying to take the opportunity to, you know, I've learned how to edit on multiple different platforms. And I've learned things like audio mixing and, and you know, things that are privy to different aspects of entertainment, live streaming and stuff like that. Um, but all of which is is really interesting stuff, and I've just been trying to absorb as much of it as possible. And most recently, I bought a camera, so I have my own decent uh, mirrorless camera that I'm learning to actually film with, like you know, real real film. Um, I've got friends who are camera operators and cinematographers, and so on and so forth, uh, and basically just trying to pull from the pull from the village to to learn and start doing some stuff on my own. Um, but in this next month, I will actually be leaving my job and moving out of my apartment and uh, going back into the freelance media world. 
which I'm actually excited for. Um, it's a good thing. It, it really is. It's uh, uh, <laughs> the company I work for has given me a lot of opportunities, but just kind of hit a ceiling, you know, with uh, what they're going to be offering me for the next few years. So I decided I want to go branch out and chase my own dreams. This time, I think uh, I think I want to be a director. That's cool. I think that's going to be my ultimate goal. Yeah. You said you're leaving your apartment. Where are you going? Um, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> oh, because I've yeah. known you've been you. I know you've uh, lived out of your car before. Are you thinking of doing something like that again? Uh, it's possible. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, I have friends. I have friends who are willing to put me up <clears throat> for different nights. It's just uh, as of right now, I basically my plans are for the immediate future. I'm going to be going up north for a few weeks. And I'm actually going to be shooting um, some personal uh, stuff basically learning the camera and whatnot, but also I'll have a show that'll be coming out um, date to be determined. Um, but it's based around hiking up in the Pacific Northwest. Oh yeah. And uh, just because of the amount of time that I'll be gone, it's been kind of difficult to sort of lock down if I'm going to really be moving into an apartment or if I want to put my stuff in storage. And I also have some leads that are, uh, out towards the east on a couple of feature films that might be uh, picking up crew in the next month or so. So it's just been a decision of, well, do I want to spend basically lose an entire month's worth of rent to have an apartment to come back to, or do I want to come back with a little bit of extra money and then get an apartment then? Okay. So it's, so it's a, a lot less sketch than I, than I thought. Initially. Yeah. It's more semantics. Okay. It's, it's not a matter of, uh, not a matter of destitution. It's just, uh, and okay. this is not uncommon in LA. This happens quite a bit. I believe you. <laughs> it's one of the most densely populated places in the world. So yeah. Yeah. When you say there's good people in LA, I mean, fucking a, there better be. It's like most of the country jammed into one small area. Well, you know, the, I mean, there's a reputation, and especially in the entertainment industry. There's an even bigger reputation and, that there are uh, flakes and uh, glib. Yeah, and... it makes for a delightful surprise when you meet somebody who's just as dedicated as you are. Yes. Yeah. When I was uh, doing stand up, I occasionally ran into uh, headliners that were super encouraging and would say things like, when you move to L.A., do this. And I'm like, I don't want to go to L.A. I don't know what I'm doing this for because I don't want to go to L.A. I don't want to get lost in the mayhem of this this place that I've heard nothing good about for so very long. Well, I can tell you I have experienced a little bit of the comedy scene in L.A., at least before before the shutdown. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very welcoming and inviting. Uh, there was a weekly show that uh, I only got got to see a couple of times. But it was very good. And it was basically built around... Uh, comedy as uh it, it was it was comedy but the comics were baseball players and and the comedy had baseball rules to it and what? so basically like two teams went head to head with their minutes that they were up and it wasn't like real you know it's all very tongue-in-cheek but it was just a great format to have like 12 comedians in one evening and it really worked you know mm -hmm. so I mean, you, you might just come and visit. You might be surprised. 
I'll definitely come visit. Uh, my brother, he moved down for a little while, but uh, he had to move back home a couple weeks ago. He made the mistake of moving right before COVID hit. Oh, man. Yes. Well, I had no idea. I would have helped him out if I would have known he was here. Yeah, I tried to set him up with some people that I knew down there, but I, I, he's independent. He doesn't want my help. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We also like to talk about self-help on the show. You fuck with self-help at all? Um, yeah, I mean... It sounds like like you've got the language for it. Self-help books and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah, uh, my parents like to buy me self-help books. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a them move. Uh, it's a very them move. Yeah, no, my father's father... The, just a little bit of history context to that statement. My father's father um, has a very checkered history. And so in his old age, he picked up reading a lot of self-help books. And so he imparted those to my father. Now it has become a tradition for my father to pass on my father's father's self-help book. I, You know what? I'm just not. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> it just. Uh, uh, I did. I, mo- I recently read. Oh, what was it called? Um uh, I can't even remember the name of it now. Well, I the... used to be a miserable fuck. <laughs> that was the one, that was the most recent one I read. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't read it yet, but I just finished the uh, life changing magic of not giving a fuck. Oh, that's a good one too. By Sarah yeah. Knight. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, there's a lot of self help that just gets you right in the gut. Just sort of like, hey, fuck this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, the the thing I'll say about self-help is like, you have to read it with an open mind. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, some Sometimes you're not, you're going to be looking for advice or you're not aware that you're looking for advice that you either are or are not going to get from what you're reading. <laughs> and there's such a vast difference because like the self-help books that my father would give me would be things like, yeah, subtle art of not giving a fuck or, uh, um, my father considers uh, Iron John to be, you know, the ultimate self-help. Like, who's monolith. Iron John? Iron John, yeah. Iron John is. Uh, oh, there's a word for it. It's like um, it's like a. It's not a fairy tale, but it's a tall analogy. tale. It's sort of like a tall tale, but it's more like a it's an analogy for masculinity and femininity and, and culture and society. Oh, uh, and it can be interpreted many different ways. So even even my gross point blank interpretation there is not doing it's not doing it justice, I'm sure, to people who have read it. Um, so I'll apologize for that. Uh, I've only read it a couple of times. And I mean, the general gist of it is that there are certain objects and um, actions in, in the story. So there's like a golden ball that is given to a child, which is supposed to be like this gift of, I mean, the, the book is so old. I think it interprets it as like manlyhood and whatnot. And then there's, there are things that are, are left for the child by the mother. So it's supposed to be these things that are imparted from your parents and uh how they should be affecting you or how you can take them forward into the rest of your life if if you're interested in it's a little dated 
admittedly for like modern society, you know, we've definitely come a long way from, from these inherent base values, but it's not a bad read. It's not, it's an interesting read on a philosophical level. And um, so if you're in, interested in that, it's not bad. Um, but again, like more to the point I'm, I was going to, uh, my father is definitely a product of his generation. Oh yes. Yes. And so his, his, his idea of a self-help book is very much like, here's a book about being a man. <laughs> you should be a better man, man. Yes. Like, you know, and, and uh, so I used to be a miserable fuck. It's, it's a decent self-help book. If that's what you're looking for, if what you're struggling with is, you know, not understanding what, uh, what an emotional language is or, um, oh, what is the phrase I'm thinking of? Um, if you struggle with having an emotional vocabulary, it's a decent entry into uh, understanding that aspect of things. If that, if you're just, if you just come from a world where that just seems totally foreign, and uh, and the whole concept of not being a miserable fuck is is uh, the conceit that he, the, the conceit of it is, is that he takes actions in his life to create structure and purpose for himself before anything else. So then he doesn't make everyone around him miserable because he's miserable with himself. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I completely understand. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier with uh, another guest about the three-pronged approach to uh, life. If you're financially healthy, if you're physically healthy, and one other thing, uh, let's let's just say emotionally healthy, then your goals will come a little easier your way. Right. If you take care of yourself and if you set yourself up for success in that way. Yeah. And his number one, his number one word of advice is um, stop peeing in the shower. Uh, what? I <laughs> yeah. I call bullshit. <laughs> why would he, why would, why it goes straight down the drain? Well, it's it it's more. Uh, I mean, to each their own. You know, you, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, and uh, especially if it's your space. But he attributes it to like childish behavior and and uh, <laughs> I don't want to say laziness, but definitely cutting corners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good way but, to put it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but that's the kind of books like my father will give me, but my mother will give me stuff that's like how to heal pain and but also half the book is about like energy chakras and mm. <laughs> you know and and how you can sense how you can sense the emotions and feelings and thoughts of another person yes and i'll, I'll just i'll just i'll look at it i respect it i think there's some good advice in it but also i don't think that's for me <laughs> you know yeah. the second drunkest i ever got was with your parents by the way I, I don't doubt that. Yeah. Like in my life, my, my parents, I mean, that's, that's all, that's a whole different episode of a podcast for you right there. Yeah. Just, yeah. If we don't, if, if, if you, if you're not feeling comfortable with us going into that, we, we can skip right over. But. I mean, I can, I can give you an abridged version. My parents were, they, they had me at 19 and they didn't get much older for a long time. <laughs> That's that's the easiest way I can put that. There came a point in my life where I was the adult in that relationship, and uh -huh. uh, I'll be damned if it hasn't really sort of messed with every other relationship I've had ever since. <laughs> you know, that with every other person, friend right. or otherwise. 
<laughs> at one point, your dad was giving me advice about how to pick up chicks with your mom right in front of him. So it's like I I, I knew that something was a little weird. But uh, those two are a partnership through and through, and mm -hmm. uh, for better or for worse, they might be at a, at each other's throats one day, but somehow they still manage to exist with one another, and it it blows my mind. It's it's half an inspiration and half terrifying. Which is the opposite of uh, what my parents are like. I always thought of them more as um, uh, roommates. I almost never saw my parents be affectionate with each other, like, at all growing up. Right. Yeah. They didn't kiss. They didn't hold hands. But somehow they got three kids out of the deal. Something happened at some point. I mean, they were happy three times. <laughs> at the very least. For five minutes. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so, uh, coming up to 32, I coming up to 32 minutes. I was hoping to make this to about 40 minutes. Do you mind staying on with me? I'm good. I'm not going anywhere. It's okay. too hot to leave the house. Okay. It's too hot <laughs> in the studio space as well. Uh, we can't run the fans when we do this. Uh, so where do you stand on the burger wars of LA? Okay. So dark horse here. Um, I guess I'm a true progressive cause I'm going for the third party, but I live next to a Ruby's shake shack. Uh huh. And I mean, I know a lot of people, they love in and out and I know a lot of older people love commies and, uh, I know there's a there's another one out there that people sometimes say, but I can't remember what it is right now. But Ruby Shake Shack, that has got to be probably the best burger I think I've ever had. Oh, and it's like fresh it. vegetables. They they don't like increase the price for any reason. It's just cooked right there, and so good. And they have three dollar milkshakes. Three dollars. Yep. No way. I haven't seen any shakes that cheap outside of Dick's in Seattle. I know, right? Yeah, no. So good. My favorite spot. And it's also, I live right next to it. So I've definitely hit it a lot. <laughs> you can get a, you can get Cajun tots for like $2.50 or something like that. That's Just, crazy. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, they do, they do uh, like, turkey burgers and vegetarian options and chicken sandwiches or chicken sandwiches bomb and fun fact and i only discovered this because of mystery science theater but apparently so ruby's was an old chain for the longest time out here and in like 1950 something i'm i'm, I'm speculating i'm sure somebody might know the actual date um but they made a, a like horror film in like the 50s or 60s about the ruby's chain about ruby from the ruby's chain and it's like a ghost story monster movie and it's just the most it's so campy and weird and out there and mystery science theater did an episode of it and i actually one day just like clicked it on on mystery science theater and there it was and i was like eating rubies while watching this movie and i was like what is happening right now oh my god i have got to see that now oh i am going to look that up for sure because uh I, I went over this in an earlier episode. Uh, a comedian friend and I, we do riff tracks all the time. 
which is just oh, nice. yeah, just to get a campy old movie and be you know, us celebrating in their failure by seeming like we are so superior because we got drink tickets or a small amount of money to make fun of this movie that no one paid f- to see. Yeah, yeah, excellent. <laughs> uh no, I I love that concept. Yes, right? it's one of my favorite things I've ever done in comedy. Yeah, Ruby's Drive-In, I think is what it's called. Ruby's uh, Drive-In. I'm going to look that up. That used to be a, a, a series of drive-ins, I think, all over California. Or maybe maybe it was all up and down the Midwest. Or maybe it was... I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they originated from. I never dove that deep into it. But yeah, a little side note there. <laughs> if you get a chance, you should watch it. It's, it's great. I'll look up Ruby's for sure. <laughs> all right. Um... Everyone's a bit of the health nut down in LA. What what's your exercise routine like? Is that important to your mental health? Yes, actually, I mean, for me, for me, being in shape uh, is just I just feel better about myself. You know, if I feel well and if I feel good. So I like to, well, quarantine sort of threw everything off. But going back a few months, I used to be in the gym pretty much every day. I would wake up early, go to the gym, and then I would sit at a desk and eat, you know, fried food every day. So I was strong, but I wasn't doing much as far as like my health was concerned. Once the quarantine happened and I was living from home or living from home, excuse me, and I was working from home, uh, I decided I really, I really wanted to be in a lot better shape. So I, I, I quit smoking. I quit drinking a whole bunch, you know, out of depression at the time. And uh, just decided I was just going to do nothing but focus on getting healthy. And the first thing I did was I dug up my old roller skates. <laughs> I uh, saw that video. That, yeah. Yeah. That was probably the best decision I made because uh, it was the first time that I felt like I was in love with something again. Um, little little context. Uh, recently had a breakup before that. Um, and then sort of a breakup of the breakup because you know there was a decision made that we shouldn't talk to each other and so on and so forth and it was pretty rough so it was nice to have something to hold on to that i was like oh yeah i'm good at this i love doing this and i did that every day Mm -hmm. so i would roller skate every day and then that turned into i would do I, i found a 30 minute workout video on youtube i started doing that every morning every single morning and then i would go roller skating in the middle of the day and then uh, that eventually turned into, I was like, you know what? I'm doing a little bit of jogging at the beginning of this workout, but I really want to like stretch my legs. What if I went out and just ran, you know, like a mile? How hard would that be? And oh my God, it was hard. Um, <laughs> but I went and did it. And then to my surprise, I did it again and then again and then three miles and then three miles consistently and then five miles and then five miles pretty consistently. And uh, now I'm up to nine miles um, as my longest uh, uh, run. I picked up running pretty much every single day. That that is, you know, a decent temperature. Oh um, my god, that's incredible. Yeah, and it, I was I'm totally I was totally surprised because I thought you know my body's it's been beat up. I've got all these injuries. I figured it would hurt so bad, and it did a little bit at first. But I hit a point where it got so comfortable that I really like it. And uh, now I'm sitting. I have lost 45 pounds. 
since the beginning of quarantine. So as of, you know, three, four months ago, uh, about 45 pounds, you know, I, I ate vegetables again. I cooked, I uh, started cooking for myself instead of ordering out because, you know, I wasn't at an office where they were just buying us food anymore. So I was eating vegetables too and, and the diet and the exercise and the water. And, and now I feel great. I feel the best I've ever felt. I'm in probably the best shape of my life. That's incredible, Jesse. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been really helpful as far as like my mental state. And, and also it's been a big part of this decision to move forward, to move away from, from a company, you know, that, that wants to have everybody in the office for 14 hours a day. Like, I don't need that anymore. I want to go out and do stuff. Yeah. I want to be active. I like being active. Yeah, I work in a uh, silicon wafer plant right now, and I'm working 12-hour shifts uh, four days a week, sometimes five. Yeah. And staying motivated to exercise is hard. I I basically have this uh, thing. Every time I think about it, I do five push-ups just to get through the day. Yeah, And every day I spend a little bit of time in nature, hiking or whatever. I went on an eight mile hike this morning. That's amazing. Yeah. Straight up a mountain. Love that. I love that so much. And it's, it's so important to have those kinds of things. And and I don't think you realize the importance of them until you don't have them. Absolutely. And and when you get back to it, you're like, oh my God, how did I, how did I exist without this? You know, (laughs) especially nature. I miss nature. That's one thing we really don't have a lot of in LA. I mean, it's around us, but you get so damn busy and never see it, you know? Yeah, you actually have to drive to get somewhere to... Uh, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, I live in... Uh, I live in southwest Washington, where if you drop seeds on the ground, they'll grow. I've got tomatoes that I did not plant growing in my garden right now. And they are the biggest producers in my garden right now, I swear to God. I mean... Nothing like a good old-fashioned invasive species. Yes. <laughs> invasive cherry tomatoes. I'm making sauce tonight. <laughs> Colonizing tomatoes. <laughs> That's got to be a uh, a uh, horror movie somewhere. Oh, uh, definitely. It was the it was this, the ill-fated sequel of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Absolutely. Did you ever see the uh, cartoon version of that, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? You know, I've seen, I think I've seen clips of it, but it's been so long now. I don't, I don't even remember. <laughs> I think I remember like laughing at the animation style. It's <laughs> like, it was very corny. It was yeah. so corny. All right, Jesse, thank you very much for joining us today. Where can people find you? Um. Oh man. Well, uh, I'm on all the social media and I barely use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of in the interim of getting everything back off the ground but if you if you want to reach out or if you like following you know me posting weird pictures of myself or other things or weird stuff in my life um you can find me on instagram as uh g's mh j-e-e-z-m-h that's the same for twitter uh it's the same for youtube (laughs) it's the same for pretty much everything but yeah um all right and you pretty sorry correction you can find me on Instagram, gzmh92. I'm on Twitter and everything else is j-e-e-z-m-h. Sorry. That's, yeah. Okay, thank you. And you pretty much nailed it before, but one piece of advice that you would like to give to all the tryhards out there that are hitting a wall and thinking of giving up. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Learn to forgive yourself. It's, it's hard. 
it's not easy and it's okay that it's not easy. And you know, what you're doing is not easy. And the sooner that you that you accept that you have still accomplished something that you can still accomplish more things, the, the easier it's going to get. All right. That's beautiful. Thank you very much, Jesse. I value you as a friend and we'll catch up real soon. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right. It's been fun. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Jesse Moore Hendrickson, everybody.